You're listening to Ask Dr. Gray Pre-Med Q&A. Ask Dr. Gray Pre-Med Q&A brought to you by Blueprint MCAT. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. How are you? I am excellent. What can I help you with? So I I just kind of have a list of questions and I'm excited to see where it goes. I've been watching the podcast and the virtual shadowing for a long time. So I really appreciate all you've done for me in my pre-med journey. And now here I am working on my secondaries and I'm feeling like, well, I am really grateful for all you've done and I'm excited to, to learn some more from you as I'm in this phase of my application. Yeah, let's do it. All right. So to begin, I just, this is a very tiny one, but during my MCAT studying semester, which was just last spring, I took 11 credits, which is one less than full time. Mm-hmm. Some, of the, some of the prompts ask, explain a significant academic fluctuation. Would you consider that to be an academic fluctuation, taking a three-fourths credit or no? No. Because I also, I still took five classes, so I feel like it's really not insignificant. I was taking hard science classes, just a little bit lighter of a load so I could study for the MCAT as well. Yeah, not, not an issue. Perfect. All right, let's see. There, there may be, so, so let me just, ex- there may be, let me expand on that a little bit. There may be a specific prompt that says, if you were not a full-time student during your mm-hmm. academic career, then maybe you have to answer that question, but I wouldn't call yeah. 11 credits versus 12 a significant fluctuation. Yeah, especially because the previous semesters I took 16 and before that 21. Yeah. So I, uh, it's kind of like I had, I had, I loaded my credits early so that I could so that I could get through MCAT season and, and it worked out well. Nice. Um, let's see. So personal challenges, that's a tricky one. I have a prompt that kind of asks, explain gaps in your education, academic missteps or personal challenges not listed elsewhere. Mm-hmm. I haven't had um, like life changing, life shattering personal challenges. Yep. And so I feel like if I tried to, like I, I, could, I could write about something that's been challenging Okay. I think that so, that's so, not what so stop. is looking for. How do you know? Does does it say life-changing, life-shattering personal challenges? Or does it say just personal challenges? Yeah. Yeah. So, so I think pre-med, I'll look more that because COVID... Pre-meds love to exaggerate on this question and go, they only want to know this if I like was shot 10 times as a kid and I'm a refugee and I um, uh, lived with wolves for the first five years of my life. Like, no, that's not what this question is asking. The question is just asking for more context about who you are. So challenge is challenge and and that's going to be different for everyone. And some people have gone through a lot of stuff and- Thank your lucky stars that you haven't gone through a ton of bad stuff, but you've still had challenges in your life. Yeah. And so what I could write about here, uh, there's, there's definitely been some family health difficulties, which have actually helped build my path to medicine. And so that could be a challenge that I could talk about there. But is it Um, your challenge or their challenge? I guess, I guess it says, or you're right, personal challenges. So it was, it was my dad had a, a pretty significant heart issue. Okay. That was a, a challenging time, but you're right. That's a, that's actually a good question. Would, would that be a personal challenge or would that be a family challenge? It, it is more of a family challenge. It um, could be a personal challenge. Where a lot of students go wrong with that type of question is they only talk about their dad and don't talk about how it yeah. impacted them. So therefore, it's not mm-hmm. a personal challenge. It's, hey, my dad went through this. 
but it didn't really affect yeah. me because I was off in college. Got so it. if that you is, can talk, really wise. if you can talk about your dad's journey and hopefully he's better now or getting better or doing well, uh, if you can talk about that and that talk about how it impacted you and, and impacted your studying or grades or mindset, whatever, without just selling, Ooh, it strengthened my desire to be a doctor. Cause that's not really, again, the challenge yeah. part of it then. Yeah. Um, so, so that's just a way to think about it. Got it. That, that actually brings up another question for me. So I, I'm young. I, I guess that's, this is two questions. Starting off, I'm a young applicant. I'm okay. 20 years old. I just okay. finished my second year of college. I'm graduating a year early. And so I, I really have done a lot of, of looking into, of talking to many students who have had success. And I know that the, the pre-med comparison game is, is not very fair to ourselves. Nope. Um, but through looking at what has been successful in others, I've done a lot of the same things and more than many people who have had success, even though I've, I've been pre-med a couple years less than the average person. Okay. And so with that, what's your advice for me as a young applicant who, to be honest, the experiences that I have look like I've been doing this for four years because I, I've been working extremely hard for two years straight doing, you know, juggling all the pre-med things. And so I, I'm confident in my application. I'm confident that I'm ready to, to go to medical school. And I, I guess my question is just how do I, as a young applicant, get over the fact that I haven't lived as much life as the people I'm, I'm uh, you know, competing with? And how do I kind of portray myself well as an applicant to the admissions committees? You, you don't need to do anything different than what you're doing already. There, there's nothing different that you, you need to do as a young applicant or as an older, non-traditional applicant. There's nothing different that you do. You tell your story. That's my biggest mission in this life is to just have you focus on you, right? You, you gave context of this question with, I know what other people are doing and I have more than or whatever of just as much as them. Who cares what they have? This is your journey. This is your story. This is your application to medical school. And yes, you are younger. And typically the issues that come with being a younger applicant are not having enough time to do the things that you need to do to get the yeah. clinical experience, to get the shadowing, to do all of that stuff because you just haven't had enough time on this earth to do all those things and be a good student and apply. Just in the news, there's a 13 yeah. year old that got into medical school. Right? <laughs> like, I saw that. That's amazing. It's I was, amazing. I was like, wow. They it's can, amazing. They can, You're like, damn, I'm old. <laughs> so there, there yeah. are ways to do this. Just focus on you and your story. And you may get questions of like, yeah. you're, you're only 20. How do you know you're ready for this? And you just have to have your answer, whatever your answer is. Got it. And it's not, well, Ooh, I have 3,000 hours of clinical experience and I know that the average student only has 1,000 hours. That's not the question that they're asking. Yeah. They're not asking you to compare yourself to other people. Yeah. Wow. Thank you for that advice. That's really good. And so the, the other question that I was going to kind of bridge off of that I might've just blanked on. So I'll get back to you when I, <laughs> when I get there. Okay. Um, in the meantime, diversity, that's a, that's an interesting one. And so me as a, as a white male from a privileged background, the immediate ideas of what diversity is, I don't immediately click into some of those. Correct. But the good thing is medical schools believe that diversity is more than your age and your race and the color of your skin. Correct. And so with that, the diversity that I have been writing about 
is more diversity of experiences, diversity of perspectives, because to be honest, I don't bring diversity of, of race and ethnicity or gender. Like I, I am the type of doctor who we've had a lot of this type of doctor before or, yep. or future doctor, I mean. And so how do you, how do you feel about when I get asked those questions? I write about my diversity of youth work experiences and how that has led me to an interest in pediatrics, um, as well as the diversity of different patient populations that I've served and worked with, um, as well as things like the things I've studied in school, developmental psychology and the, the development lens that I bring, where I'm, I'm especially passionate about the early, the early life, like baby to toddler, because that's when a lot of the, the cognitive structuring of how you're going to interact with the world for the rest of your life happens. So those are the things that I've been focusing on. How do you feel about that? I, I think that's the perfect way to think about it to some aspects, right? Because diversity uh, as a white male is not color of skin, is not whatever background yeah. you, you come from, especially if you're, you're not, not from a disadvantaged background as well. So it's not just that. So I want everyone to understand. And, and even I, I talked about this in an, another Ask Dr. Gray episode recently. I was reading a secondary essay of someone who is an ethnic and racial minority. And her diversity yeah. essay was basically, hey, I'm a racial and ethnic minority from a disadvantaged background. And, and that's all her essay was. And that's not good either. You don't just say, oh, look, the color of my yeah. skin's different, therefore I'm checking a box. It's what does that lead to yeah. in terms of your background, your experiences, and how you're going to, to bring that forward to your class and, and, and in, enhance the educational environment for your classmates. So for you, it is. It's mm-hmm. what, what skills, what traits, what experiences do you have from whatever background you have that you can bring to the class. That's how I like thinking about diversity for everyone. And sometimes that starts with, I am an ethnic minority, a racial minority. I I come from a disadvantaged background and therefore it will allow me to contribute in this way. And sometimes it's, hey, I'm a white dude, but I've had these experiences and it will allow me to contribute in that way. So it's a perfect way to think about it. I will asterisk that with, I typically don't like hey, I studied this in school as a diversity angle Mm -hmm. because it's basically saying I read a different textbook, therefore I know all of this other stuff. Uh, And and for me, classroom experience is less important, less impressive because it's like you just, you took some different classes. Now, if you worked as a child psychologist for four years, that is a different story. Yeah. Yeah. But as a 20-year-old, you didn't. <laughs> All right. Amazing. That, that definitely makes sense. And the developmental psychology, when I, when I write about that, it's more of a supplementing my interest in youth work and my experiences in youth work. I know here's a thing that I did in school that also supplemented my youth work. So I, but I, I appreciate that because I, I think I agree with you. You're right. I think life experiences and skills are, are more important to talk about in a diversity essay than what I studied in school. Mm-hmm. All right. A uh, quick couple questions for you. So I, I applied to 19 schools, which I got a lot of advice as to kind of how many to apply to. And, and ultimately I tried to apply to the general idea of some reach schools, some schools that are more fitting and then a couple schools that are a little bit lower. I, I, I fitting, you didn't so, like that word. So, so I don't like any of those words. So those are oh, no. those are college those are college admissions words that 
don't okay. they don't work for medical school. There there is no such thing as a reach medical school or a safety medical school or a fit medical school. It doesn't work. They yeah. just like you could apply and, and you go on Reddit and, and in the same conversation where people are talking about, oh, that's too many reach schools, it's too many this schools, you'll have those same people say, oh. Well, I have I have a four and a five twenty MCAT score and I applied to reach and safety and fit schools and I got equal uh, e- equal rejections and equal acceptances from yeah. all of them. Like it's just the game yeah. doesn't that game doesn't work. So in that same conversation, if someone says, oh, these are reach schools, these are safety schools, the people with 4.0, 520s, they should get acceptances and interviews at all of their safety schools. But they don't because that's just not how this works. So, yeah, with and that, I guess I use those <laughs> words lazily. Yeah, because I think that the big thing I really did focus on was was a place that I could see myself doing well at, a place where I I, I agree with and I match with and I align with their mission as Great. well as the way that they teach the students. Great. I guess I use those words lazily just for time because I it was a little bit compared to my MCAT, but I had a very strong MCAT score. So to be honest, the reach schools were, well, I don't know. I don't I don't think I need to talk about my MCAT score for, for the whole world to hear because unless, yeah, unless you, you think it's relevant. You, you don't need to. It, really the okay, way that cool. I think about the MCAT score I don't like looking at stats to apply to medical schools. Mm. I like I like thinking about the MCAT is that that may close some doors or that's not going to yeah. close any doors. Right? So someone with a 514, 515, 516, that's probably not closing any doors to any school. And people will argue with me going, "Oh no, 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 to to get into to WashU or NYU, you have to have a 520." Maybe, but yeah. I, I, a 515 not going to close doors to almost any program out there. But when you go and look at the MSAR, the MSAR is scary because all the schools seem to have a median MCAT score of like 517, 518. It's it's useless data to look at. Got it. Yeah, I really appreciate that. Okay, so finish finish your question. Little question on that. No worries, no worries. I actually, I think that's really good for me as well as everyone listening to hear so how important is the quote unquote prestige of the medical school? I, I don't love that word a ton mm-hmm. because I, I really do believe that a lot of the medical schools are providing wonderful educations and creating incredible doctors, yep. but ultimately residency programs, it sounds like do care. Like they're going to look at someone from Harvard differently than someone from a state school. Why? Um, so as I'm getting to, why, this, why do you say that? Well, that's what I've heard. That's what I've heard. Okay. I, I, Who's I saying personally that? don't love that. Um, <laughs> Reddit student know. doctor network, <laughs> Reddit student doctor network. Um, I mean, I guess I, I did get some advice from a couple medical students right now who are saying, ultimately, if you get, if you get the choice between, cause I, I applied to, for example, Northwestern U Chicago mm-hmm. and people suggested like, if you get into one of those schools, it would be wise to go there. Um, even if it's more expensive and I, I don't know, I guess I'd love to hear your, your perspective as well. Yeah. As someone who's been doing this a lot longer <laughs> than most of us. Uh, my, my perspective is. It, it doesn't matter as much as students make it out to me. What matters potentially is, is not necessarily the name, but the networking. And so, yes, going, okay. going to Harvard Medical School is going to increase the chances you get into a Harvard residency because you can network there. You can yeah. get in front of people. You can, you yeah. can do all of that fun stuff, right? The connections that come with 
potentially going to a more prestigious and and I'm fine with the word prestigious because yeah. it's it's a common term. Like we know Harvard Harvard is yeah. a brand name in in almost every household in this country. Yale is a That's brand true. name. Yep. Columbia, right? These are really great schools. Really great medical schools. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean that the education that you're going to get at that school is better than Podunk State University, right? The yeah. the education is going to be the same. Your ability to match into competitive specialties is going to be the same. Now, if you go to Podunk State Medical School, are you going to be able to get into a, a Harvard residency versus someone who goes to Harvard Medical School? Potentially, mm-hmm. potentially. It, it, never say never, but will the student that goes to Harvard Medical School have a better chance? Potentially, again, because access, networking, connections, not necessarily title of the medical school. Got it. That makes sense. When you look at data from residency directors, surveys, and surveys aren't the best data, not everyone's completely truthful, but this is the data Mm -hmm. that we have. The surveys show that school name recognition prestige is much lower on the list of what residency program directors care about. Yeah. Got it. And so I guess following up with that question, I applied to 19 schools. I have, I I can't say with any confidence if I'm going to get into any or which ones, like it's kind of, I'm excited to find out. Uh, And so say I get into multiple schools, Mm. say I get into my state school, which is going to be cheaper and also a wonderful school. I'm from Minnesota and university of Minnesota. I would be elated to go there, especially because it's a top pediatrics program. Yep. And so I would really, really love to go to University of Minnesota. Say I get into there and I also get into U Chicago or I also get into uh, Colorado, um, Aurora, Colorado. Yep. Like how, how would you recommend going about deciding when, when the money will be a difference? Like mm-hmm. some of these other schools will probably be more expensive than the U. And also in, in like the long term, that money won't be as significant. I think Dr. Ray Fowler always talks about you're applying for like a one point something million dollar job, right? It's like, it's in, in medicine, even if I'm planning on going into the lowest paid specialty, the, the difference in tuition probably won't be a huge, huge deal. Unless maybe I'm, maybe I'm wrong, but how would you recommend going about deciding? Cause I, I feel really, cause I got a much higher MCAT score than I was expected mm. or expecting. And all of a sudden I realized like, wow, maybe I can start considering these, these world renowned schools. Mm-hmm. Um, these top top programs, yeah, and and I d- did apply to them, and I'm yeah. kind of like, so I don't so know let me let me st- now. yeah, let me stop you. So that is the trap that I think medical students also have made in picking residencies, specialties, because they go, oh, mm-hmm. I got a much higher step one score than I was expecting, therefore. Yeah. I can apply to dermatology. I can apply to radiology. When previously they're like, oh my gosh, I can't wait to be a family medicine doctor. That is my passion. That's what I love. But I have a a 250 step one score that is going to go to waste if I don't apply to dermatology. And I think that has led to a lot of burnout in this country because students are applying Mm -hmm. to residencies, to specialties based on what they can apply to because of their step one score, not on what they should apply to based on what their passions and their interests lie in. 
And so you just made yeah. potentially the same mistake. And this is just my hypothesis, right? That I, I've been talking about this for a little bit mm-hmm. um, with step one going past fail, all the way it's going to move to step two, and we're still going to have the same issues. You just did the same thing where you're like, ooh, my MCAT score is quote unquote good enough to now apply to these more prestigious universities, these more prestigious medical schools without, and I'm just assuming here, hopefully you have, without doing everything else. Will I like the curriculum? Will I like the location? Will I like the class size? Will I like X, Y, and Z? Yeah. Right? So I didn't look into those factors. Good. Uh, so, there were some you know, elite schools I applied to that I, that I didn't love, or sorry, that I looked into that I didn't apply to because I didn't love. But perfect. I think you're right. I definitely, my scope of what I could apply to definitely did change when I, when I got my MCAT score. Yeah. So what I want you to do is go through this process. Now you applied to 19 schools. Let's say you get 19 interviews, 19 acceptances, right? That would be, that would be wonderful. That would be crazy. You, you just do a good old fashioned pros cons list, right? Minnesota, you mentioned, right? It's, it's where family is. It's where it's the location. I know I, I, I this is potentially where I yep. want to live. This is where my support is that I love the weather here. Although it's so cold. Um, this is X, Y, like you write that for Minnesota mm-hmm. and then you look at Northwestern you go, well, I, I don't know anyone in Chicago or my best friend lives in Chicago, or I, I, I really don't like the mm-hmm. weather there. It's much colder. It's more windy, whatever. Um, you, you look at, um, yes, I know the history of Chicago. Windy is politicians and not actual wind. Anyway, the, um, you, you, you just do a pros and cons list. What is the curriculum, the class size, location, yep. weather, whatever, 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 whatever. And, Match list for me is low on the list in terms of of how you should be ranking a medical school. Tuition is one mm-hmm. of the last things you should look at. Now, as you go yeah. through this process, again, you 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 get all of your acceptances. You narrow it down to two schools. One school is the cost of attendance is a hundred thousand dollars a year. The other school is fifty thousand uh, per year cost of attendance, right? That's tuition, room and board, mm-hmm. or whatever, all of that stuff. And so when you look at that $400,000 versus $200,000, that's significant when you think about yeah, uh, interest yeah, rates yeah. and all of this stuff. So maybe that comes into play mm-hmm. at that point, right? You've narrowed down everything else yeah. and you go 200,000 versus 400,000, 400,000. I think I would like that school more for whatever reasons, I think I will be fantastic at both, but I like the $400,000 school a little bit more. You go to the $400,000 school and say, Hey, I got into this other school. Their, their cost of attendance is only going to be $200,000. Can you throw me any, any merit scholarships or whatever? Mm -hmm. Right. And you can do that. Yep. Wow. That's good to know. I, I guess I had the assumption that if you don't get any scholarships right off the bat, then you probably are not going to get any. Probably not, but why not ask? Shot. Yeah. Got it. Wow. And I guess my last little uh, question, because we got a few more minutes, three-year programs. What are your, mm-hmm. what are your perspectives on those? I, I see there's some, and honestly, I, yeah. I, for example, Milwaukee, Green Bay, I would love that. It's a primary care focus, community-based. Yeah. I would absolutely love to do that. The only reason that I've heard people say maybe don't do that is because say you discover, oh shoot, I actually want to do yep. neurosurgery. Yep. Now you're in a smaller program with shorter time, not as much ability to rotate. But as someone who's, 
who's, and I know in medicine, I think like up to 40 to 60% of people switch their careers, 75% or switch their specialties yeah. from 75. Yeah. That's the, that's the last the data. Highest, the highest, uh, right. I think pediatrics is the highest. Potentially because they go, Oh wait, my, my, uh, Oh, that, that stick with it. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I thought you were going to say that changed because it's like, Oh, pediatrics, everything pediatrics makes less money. And Oh, look at these tuition bills. Um, so, yeah. So I think, I think I saw that pediatrics sticks with the most, but I yeah. don't know. I guess I'm just wondering what are your thoughts on the three? Yeah. The, the biggest issue is exactly what you said. So you, you go into medical school mm-hmm. going, well, I'm interested in pediatrics. Well, I'm interested in family medicine. There are these direct pathways. Yep. Um, first of all, you have to find out if they're kind of direct pathways into residencies, you have to see what happens mm-hmm. if you change your mind. Uh, are you going to be yeah. allowed to, or with the acceptance, are you also saying, I'm signing up for the residency as well. If it's just a three-year yeah. medical school and there's no direct pathway into residencies, then you have more flexibility. You may change your mind, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. you also have a year that is unaccounted for at this point, where if you went to a four-year school, you would still be in medical school doing away rotations, elective yep. rotations, all of that stuff. So yep. if you go to a three-year school thinking pediatrics and all of a sudden you're like, ooh, I want to do neurosurgery for pediatrics, that's mm-hmm. going to be different. Then you just take an extra year and do research, go, go find a yeah. program, go do research and apply, apply to residency as if you were at a four year school. So there's some flexibility there, but it is a downfall. Yeah. It, it is a potential issue. Got it. Well, that's, that's really good. And so the good thing is I'm applying to mostly four year programs because that's almost all of them. Yeah. And then a few three years as well, because with the passion that I have, I, I do believe that that accelerating through that to get to the end goal of pediatric residency would be advantageous if that's what I stick to. Yeah. That's awesome. Wow. Well, thank you so much for your time. This was amazing. I've been watching all of your things for a long time. So when I got the email that I could actually join the show, I was like, wow, this is, this is pretty cool. Yeah. You're welcome. Um, with your success on the MCAT, did you happen to use any blueprint full length exams? I used a blueprint half length exam. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And yeah. A- any feedback on, on the half length exam? Yeah. Uh, for anyone who's trying to take the MCAT, the half length exam was the perfect diagnostic for me. Some people told me to take the AAMC mm. first exam, but I decided I'm going to save the AAMC ones for my last month. And I'm going to use the other ones to figure out what is the MCAT? What does it look like? How, how should I think about answering these questions? So that was my thing. I used the blueprint one as my very first exam I took. Perfect. And it kind of helped me figure out this is what the MCAT looks like. And then I took the AAMC ones in my last month of studying. Perfect. Perfect. And that, that half length is free with a free account over yeah. at blueprintmcat.com. Awesome. Well, good yep. luck to you. 19 interviews, 19 acceptances. That's what we're shooting for. Any less is failure. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Good luck. For sure. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for joining me here on Ask Dr. Gray Pre-Med Q&A. Did you know that we record these live on Facebook at 3 p.m. Eastern on most weekdays? Search for Medical School HQ on Facebook and like the page to be notified. Don't forget to check out our amazing Facebook group, The Hangout, at medicalschoolhq.net slash group. 